Good evening. This is a Tomorrow Christian Today. Reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the NLT. This is a big one. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this for your words. Your word is a joy to me. I'd like to read it. I'd like to think about it. I know that it's true. I don't really have any doubts. Lord, I don't really have any doubts. It's just a matter of being faithful and controlling the flesh and controlling the sin and con- and being and, and having self-control and just living it. So we ask for a double dose of the Holy Spirit. Help us to resist the devil. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all these different Bibles that we have. That we can read your word, Lord, and know that it's true. And give us a love for your word and to please you. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Yeah, I guess those gray hairs are really coming in now, folks. You know, entropy is coming for me. But I know that it doesn't have, it's not the final winner. It's not the arbitrator of my destiny. My destiny is life. The person who has control over my life is himself alive and has the keys of hell and death. And he gives eternal life to whoever wants and whoever asks and whoever comes. I'm definitely doing that. Let's read. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you. This is a very important verse, because remember when I first got to the uh, Bible study at work, and... um, you know, my Baptist mentor, he said to me, uh, this was a very uh, early creed in the Christian church. You know, it had built up too fast for it to be legend and myth. It was very early on they were saying this. And usually when something is said very quickly, it's, it's not myth. It, it's an argument against it being myth or legend because it takes a certain amount of time for stories to build up and, and embellishments to build up. So... I think that he mentioned the case for Christ and he mentioned Lee Strobel. And I think Lee Strobel has also talked about this chapter. And uh, also uh, another person I can't remember. Oh, yeah, C.S. Lewis had said, you know, I'm in the business of stories. I'm in the business of myths and stories. And again, C.S. Lewis was also someone who said that it just happened too fast for this to be a legend and a made-up story. Verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. So many references to three and third. There's so many references to that in the scriptures, and we can see that that was a prophecy of Jesus' time. Now, I've heard different people, W.H. Armstrong, remember he was the Church of God, He said Jesus died on Wednesday, so that's why he kept Saturday as the Sabbath, because Jesus rose on the Sabbath. You know, so it was like three days, and and some people say that it wasn't Thursday, or why is it, you know, Jesus, Jesus really died on Thursday night. I really have no idea. You know, he'd be three days in the grave. You know, I don't know if maybe that, I, I was wondering too about the time, I just accepted Friday. And then Saturday and then Sunday. It didn't seem like three days to me. But but 
Um, I just thought that Jesus was in the darkness for three days, like the Holy Spirit was pulling away from him. So he was spiritually dead before he was physically killed and physically dead. So I kind of interpreted it as a spiritual. My hermeneutic was that uh, being three days in the grave means he was treated as if he was a sinner. You know, when it says in Ephesians, it says um, you're, you're dead in your trespasses, that he was dead. He was dead for our trespasses, but he was still walking around, but the Holy Spirit with, was withdrawing from him. That's how I've interpreted it. That, that to me satisfies my criteria and maybe it doesn't satisfy yours. Maybe you have to have three concrete days. I don't know what to say. For, for me, I know this is true. I have faith that it's true. And I, I am about details. I don't want to just have magical thinking, but I do think that when the Bible says things, it does use concrete examples and real stories, but I think it also there's a spiritual application. Anyways, moving along. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. So he's seen by James, who was his half-brother. And James coincidentally became the uh, president of the Jerusalem church. So he was, he was in the church, in the very heart of Jerusalem, the very heart of the place that did not believe in Jesus. Why, why would a guy who was a half-brother who didn't believe in Jesus when he was alive, something has happened to him uh, mentally that all of a sudden he would turn around 180 degrees and believe in his half-brother that he did not believe in when Jesus was, you know, officially alive. And my feeling is because he saw the risen Jesus. He was at the gathering. He saw his brother. He touched his brother. He probably touched his arm, his hand, his back. He saw what the others were saying. He believed. He believed that, oh my goodness, this guy, my brother, really was the Messiah. So when Joseph was always saying these things in the Old Testament, the other guys didn't believe, you know, and they got rid of Joseph. And then kind of Jesus is sort of the anti-type of that. The brothers didn't believe in Joseph and Jesus' own half-brothers did not believe in him. But they saw him. They saw that he had resurrected from that grave. And for me, that's, that's credible. I believe it. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. He still has a conscience about things. You know, I, I do have a conscience about things I've done. And, you know, people say move on, but you kind of feel bad. You wish I never, I wish I'd never done that or things that I regret. You know, he, Paul regretted it, you know. But I guess there are consequences, but God forgave him. And, you know, I mean, he, he was there, you know, consenting to the death of Stephen. I'm sure when he gets to heaven, you know, when they get to heaven, we all get to heaven. We all see all these people. And I'm sure they're very surprised they're going to see each other in heaven. I'm sure they're going to be shocked. What's he doing here? He was the guy killing me. Well, you know, Stephen, guess what? After you died, um... He had an epiphany and he became one of the great writers of the scriptures. I'm sure it's gonna be, I'm sure it's gonna be a shock to people. Hey, what's he doing here? How come this person is not here? So just I'd like to focus on being there, but that's by God's will, not by mine. Verse 10. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. 
For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you've already believed. That's humility. You know, I don't really care who gets the attention. I don't need attention anymore. I wanted attention, you know, I wanted to have money and a big house and a trophy wife and, you know, a car. Like the guy in the, you know, Robocop says, what are your demands? And the guy says, I want a big car that gets really bad mileage. He didn't say my, bad, he said something else. But you know what I mean? I just don't need it anymore. These are all just dusty trophies to me. And if a guy, you know, I saw a guy in the gym today. You know what he's got? He's got a Lamborghini. And I felt a moment, I felt a um, kind of a moment of envy. Like, wow, he's a young guy. Him and his father have a glass business. Apparently glass business is doing real well. And this guy walked to his car and all the guys in the gym were like, hey, there's so-and-so. Yeah, he's got a Lambo. And it's a nice looking car, I gotta admit. You know, there's some coveting going on there. You know, um, it's a nice car. I don't need to drive a Lamborghini. I mean, if, if a guy says, hey, hey, uh, you wanna come uh, ride in the car? I'll drive you somewhere, you know. I wouldn't want to sit in the car. I'd be afraid I'd dirty it up, you know. But I, I have to say, uh, if somebody gave me a ride in a Lamborghini, no problem. But I don't need to have one, can't afford it anyways. It's not gonna happen. I'd rather have a mansion in heaven. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. And that sounds very realistic to me. Paul was admitting that it's not made up, it's faith. He has faith. Everybody has faith. But uh, if it's all, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then we've just basically lied to. We've been lied to. We've lied to ourselves. We've lied to other people saying that Christ is the risen Savior. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. I get that. If people say to me after I tell them, you know, what I say from the scriptures, and they say, you know what, I don't believe. I don't believe that. I, I respect that. I just, I don't want them to mock my faith. I don't want them to mock my Savior. I don't like to be shamed. I don't think Jesus should be shamed, but, you know, that's to be expected. A long, long time ago, before I was a Baptist, you know, I said to my friend in the gym, another another gym, another friend, you know, and, and, and I think he liked me because he saw that I was kind of a decent guy. You know, he was a Jamaican guy. He had fantastic genetics. He was 5'10". He had the smallest joints in his body, but he had his bicep was not real. It was just, it was like in two sections. This guy did preacher curls, man. He'd be blown away by the genetic symmetry of this guy. Anyways, I said to him, Tony, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? He paused for a minute. And then he says, no, I don't. I don't believe it at all. And he went and took a shower in the gym. And I thought to myself, I respect that. I asked an honest question and I got an honest answer. And I'm cool with that. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But I personally, the tomorrow Christian, I believe it. That's why I'm reading the Bible. I think the Bible is true. I think it's from God our Father. And I think it's about relationships. And it's also about real stories that really happened. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. He's the first fruits.
you know, he's the, um, you know, Jesus is the first fruit, you know, and I believe that, you know, he's the first fruit of those who have died and who are believers and will be raised to death, um, life again. And I believe my mother's one of them. And my mother went down to the grave. Uh, she had died from the cancer. Uh, she went down in the wedding dress that she wore to both my brothers and my wedding. Um, yeah. And um, I believe she's coming out of that ground. A new body, uh, a, a new a new universe, um, a new earth. But she'll have the same character. and It'll be the same person. It won't be a clone. It won't be somebody with the same memory enagrams. It'll be my mom. You know, God will take her soul that he has in his hand right now. Some people believe the person's soul is conscious. Some people don't. I don't personally think she's conscious, but I think it's her mind. And I think that he'll take that mind, he'll put it into her, a new body, and then it'll have new life and it'll be conscious again. She'll be conscious again. That's my personal opinion. And I think I'm entitled to it. And remember, as I always say, tire what, um, I always say tiringly, um, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you, but it's just a hermeneutic. You're not defined by your hermeneutics, you're defined by your faith in Christ. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. I remember looking at an old Chronicles of Narnia and that lion Aslan, he kept calling daughter, son of Adam and daughters of Eve. But now we're sons of God and daughters of God. That's amazing. You, you shall be called the sons of God if you're a peacemaker. That's what Jesus said. I love that. Man, I tell you, if you can believe that all this life is all there is and the grave is your, uh, your destination, I don't know how you're going to make it through life. I can't. I personally cannot. So somebody can say, well, Jesus is just a crutch for you. You just need a crutch. And, you know, good on you. Good that you have a crutch. Hey, you know what? I'd rather have a crutch than drugs. I'd rather have a crutch than gambling. And that's, that's, that's not some of the things that affect me. And, and, I, and, I was, and I say that, you know, I should say that respectfully because some people have to really struggle, right? But I think I'd rather have Jesus as a crutch than some of the things that besiege us. And we all have sins that besiege us. We all have sins that kind of really get into our weak points in our armor. I'm sorry, but gambling for me, I'll never be a gambling. I'll never have a gambling problem. You know, I go with my dad to... Um, that place, Casino Rama, beautiful machines. He puts in some money. And for me, it's like, you know, we won some money once. We went right to the restaurant. We were like, oh, man, we were flying high. We went to that restaurant with our winnings. We were just on cloud nine. And then recently we went again. My dad likes that sort of stuff. The, the machines are beautiful, but it's gambling. So I think some people have serious problems, you know, but I just the machines are just gorgeous to look at. You know, and uh, they, they had opened the buffet again in Casino Rama. And that buffet was the food. I go for the buffet. When you're really hungry and you feel good hungry, not nauseated hungry, and you go to the buffet and you're going to get some bread pudding, you're going to get some potatoes, you're going to get some chicken, you're going to get some ice cream. Man, that's, I go to Casino Rama for the buffet. I haven't gone to any entertainment. If I ever decide to go on a date again, which will probably be never, I would probably take her to a nice show. Because women like to go to a nice entertainment and they like to dress up and they like to hang out with their man. Isn't that sweet?
But I don't think I'm going to do that because right now I'm just kind of healing. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. So I guess the enemies are not humbled yet. Satan is not humbled. It says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That hasn't happened yet. So the world still proceeds along. But I think when that does happen, when Satan bows down and says to God, you were right and I was wrong. Satan is not contrition. He's just admitting that he was wrong. Everybody, all the sinners die. Don't quote me on that, but that's how I see it. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And after Satan is killed, then death will be destroyed. It says death is thrown into the second, into the lake of fire. I think that's metaphoric because you can't throw death. Death is not a person. You know, there's no dude walking around with a skull face and a scepter. But it's, I think God says the curse will be lifted, the curse of sin. There'll be never, no more death. There'll be no more entropy. There'll be no more gray hairs. There'll be no more bags under your eyes. There'll be no more, you know, fat cells growing around your waist. Because you'll be young and your metabolism will work. Or I don't know how the new body will work. I mean, Jesus has a body that's a spirit. He goes through walls and yet he's as solid as a rock. I don't understand, it says confused um, tomorrow Christian. But hey, you know what? God knows it. God's going to do it. God said he's going to do it. I believe it. And that settles it for me, as it says in the song. Jesus said it. I believe it. And that settles it for me. For the scripture says God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when he says it all, the things are under his authority. That does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Everything is under God. Then when all things are under his authority, the son will be put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything everywhere. So yeah, Jesus, is, Jesus never sinned, but there's a hierarchy too. There's a hierarchy. And I think God's hierarchy is what God made. And then Satan decided to disrupt the hierarchy by sort of attacking the woman first and trying to upend the hierarchy. And now we have a society where men are just demeaned and shamed. And I don't blame the women, I blame Satan. Because he bamboozles and confuses people. People want good relationships, but they don't want to do it God's way. They want to do it their way. Okay, how's that working out for you? I don't think it's working out too good. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? Why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is certain as my pride in what Jesus Christ our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, the people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there's no resurrection, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. The resurrection body. So he's really, I mean, Paul was really writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How would he know all these things about a, a new kind of universe, a new kind of body, a new kind of physics? Unless God is showing him. God, God is inspiring this man in some way. Or maybe he heard it in a church and he wrote it down because somebody was speaking in tongues. I have no idea. But this is what he's saying under the inspiration of the Spirit. But someone may ask, 
How will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. My mother has been planted in the ground. She died. She's a seed. She's going to come out of the ground. I think. I mean, let's face it. God can reassemble you anywhere. And by reassemble, I don't mean, because you know what? All her body's gone now. What is there left of my dear mother? A skull? A, a, a coffin? I mean, I know it sounds kind of morbid, like Tales from the Crypt. But I think that kind of like that's where the person was buried and that's where they're coming up. But then again, I've seen a lot of pictures where the angel's coming and taking somebody and they're, they're coming out of the grave. I've seen a lot of those pictures. And there's like the sky is dark and the whole world is collapsing and Jesus is in the clouds. I think it's just, I believe it. I'm sorry, I believe it. I know. I'm not, a, I'm not an intellectual. I believe it. God made the world. The world was corrupted. God recreated the world through Jesus Christ. And one day, God's going to recreate the whole rest of the universe. And if you're with God, you'll be part of that. Because you wouldn't be happy if you don't like God now. And God tries to put you and slot you into a universe where he is front and center 24-7 in your face. You won't be happy. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. I remember a long time ago, this guy said, you know what? Earth is, um, heaven is not earth dressed up in its Sunday best. It's something altogether new. It's like, what does that mean? And why did he say Sunday best? Of course, me being, quote, a Sabbath keeper, unquote. Well, you know what? The new kind of existence, the new kind of universe. Man, I tell you, it's exciting times, my friends. Exciting times are ahead for the people of God. I'd like to be part of it, God willing. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each different kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, one for animals, another for birds, another for fish. So you know what? Jesus had this new body. And you know what? Sometimes they didn't recognize him. But then the, in the path to Emmaus, he sat down, broke the bread. And as soon as he said something, they knew it was him. There was something about the way he spoke or how he blessed the food. There was something about his, the old, the, 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 the human Jesus that was somehow part of this new Jesus, this new recreated, reconstituted, new covenant body, Christ. He had the same mind, he was the same person, but somehow he had a new body that could do different things. But they recognized him. We will be recognized. There'll be something about you that translates into the new covenant, beside your character. I don't know if you're, you'll have eyes or your eyes will glow or maybe you'll, you'll be like as if you're made of flame or maybe you'll be 10 feet tall, you'll be 15 feet tall and you'll have muscles like Arnold with a big cephalic vein. I like that. And no fat cells and you, you won't have any bunions on your feet. You won't have flat feet and you'll be able to fly and, and you'll be like Superman, but just even bigger than Superman, you know, like man exciting times my friends it's time to get excited it's time to put away the doubts it's time to curtail those doubts and smash them into the ground and it's time to see what cannot be seen except by faith there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth the glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly body the sun has one kind of glory while the moon and the stars have another kind and even the stars differ from each other in the glory. So this is what Paul is writing, that there are different kinds of celestial bodies. And you know what? It's going to be a different body, a different universe, different mechanics. 
different molecules, I don't know, you know, neutrons, quarks, quartrinos, I don't know. But whatever they are, they will not be subject to entropy and decay and destruction and disintegration. The curse of sin will be removed. And once again, God will be in all in all and everything will be integrated. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. Love it. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. More, more, more. Give me more. And it's all for free. Just have to accept Jesus into your heart. Just have to believe you're justified, sanctified, recreated, transformed. What are you waiting for, as Duke, Nuke, Duke Nukem used to say? You waiting for Christmas? They are buried as natural human bodies, but they'll be raised as spiritual bodies. Spiritual bodies and yet somehow solid. Man, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. Where are you going to get this kind of hope? From anybody else, anywhere else in the world? I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. You're getting this from God, our Father. He's giving you this. That's how generous our God is. He just wants you to trust Him and love Him, and He wants you to trust His Son. What's the problem? What's holding you back? For just as there are natural bodies, there are spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us the first Adam became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Yes, our spirits have sin. We have sin inside our bodies, you know. I, I mean, you can't get, you can't put sin into a test tube. You can't, you know, burn down a chair and then, you know, have sin molecules in there. You can't, you can't get it. You can't, but it's, but sin is in our, in our world. Is it in the universe too? Is the whole universe decaying? Like, like Adam and Eve, you know, messed up and the entire universe has like black holes and death and darkness. Is that what happened? I have no idea. Are we the first race that God ever created? Or is there somebody else out there? Are they in another dimension somewhere? Maybe they're not part of the sin thing. Like if, if we're the only race that sinned, would, would there be another race in this universe too? Like if they had to sin, would God have given them a chance? Like would God have to reincarnate himself as like some guy on another planet? Like, I don't, I don't think so, but I really don't know, okay? I'm, I'm really going off into left field here. I'm just having fun, okay? So, I don't know. And quite frankly, I don't even need to care, and neither do you. Just get excited about the scriptures. Just read it. Read it for yourself. Don't wait for the pastor to read it to you. Read it. What comes first is a natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Well, I don't think it would be dust anymore. Dust is kind of temporal. It kind of settles, you know. It's like the kid says, Mom, where did all this dust come? Um, he, the pastor says during a funeral, dust thou art and dust thou art return. And then the kid looks under his bed and says, there's a lot of dead people. There's a lot of dust under here. I think there's a lot of dead people under my bed. No more dead people. It's all going to be all life. Okay, the vector gets switched from death to life. Earthly people are like the earthly man and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. We have sin in us. Jesus says in John 6, the spirit is poured out without measure in him. We're going to have that same spirit, totally 100% spirit power. I really, truly, we're going to have powers. I think we're, 
I've said this before and I know I sound like a broken record, but hey, what else is new? Uh, I just think we're going to move through the universe at the speed of, of the mind. You want to go somewhere, you, you, you're there. You want to take your time and go there at the speed of light. Well, it'll be a little bit slow, but hey, take your time. Enjoy the universe. You want to go someplace across the galaxy. It's there. It's infinite. I can't understand this personally. This is way beyond my abilities, but universe, does it have a, is this a giant bubble? If this the universe that we know is a giant bubble, what's outside the universe? Is it God? Are there other universes? Is there a multiverse? You know what? Maybe God will show us. I think he will. All your answers are going to get answers. It can't be answered by humans now. It can't be answered by scientists. They're trying. They're really trying. But some guys just refuse to just believe that there's somebody smarter than themselves. I don't think so. Sorry, this whole universe, all of these beauty, all of this beauty and the stars and the earth and the human eye, all this stuff just just came into being like a hiccup or a burp. I'm, I'm not buying it, sorry. It doesn't make any sense to me. It, it defies common sense. Okay, I can't figure out God and I can't figure out quantum mechanics, but I know God did it and that makes sense to me. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And then we who are living will also be transformed. Our dying bodies must be transformed to bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. I can't understand this eternal life without end. It's in the Bible. Just trust it. When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. No more death. No more tears. No more suffering. No more, no more separations. No more divorces. No more not seeing your children anymore. No more being separated from your loved ones. No more cancer. No more. No more. It comes to an end when Christ comes back. I love it loving every moment i'm out there jerry and i'm loving every moment of it oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting for sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power but thank god he gave us victory over sin and death through our lord jesus christ praise the lord so my dear brothers and sisters be strong and immovable always work enthusiastically for the lord for you know that nothing you do for the lord is ever useless Sorry that it took so long. Thanks for your time. Take care now.